0: Start with everyone whose mom was even more superhuman than usual this past year, like super duper human down to those who want to show their appreciation but haven't quite found the time to get a mother's day gift for you there's walgreens with hallmark cards fragrances and personalized photo gifts you can create and pick up the same day personalized Ooh, she'll love that shop walgreens for gifts she'll love in an instant this week get up to 60 percent off photo gifts offer good through 522 restrictions apply see walgreens.com photo for details Concerts are back with a huge charity event in L.A. For the first time, people will get to sit inside the newly built $5 billion SoFi Stadium for Vax Live, the concert to reunite the world. The stadium was set to open, then the pandemic happened. Vax Live will now feature a ton of performances, J-Lo, the Foo Fighters, J Balvin, and celebrities from Prince Harry and Meghan Markle to President Biden and Vice President Harris. It's all to raise money for Global Citizen, which will help get COVID vaccines to poor countries. Everyone in the stands will be fully vaccinated health care and essential workers. Monica Ricks, CBS News. After 80 years, a critical blemish for a classic movie. Don't
1: worry about me. I'm Charles Foster Kane! Rotten
0: Tomatoes has dug up a single negative review of Orson Welles' 1941 masterpiece Citizen Kane. The update leaves Paddington 2, the only movie, with a 100% fresh review. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News.
2: It's all about the nose. It's your air filter, the first line of defense against bacteria and viruses. If too many germs get stuck in your nose, guess what? you get sick. That's why it's so important to keep your nose clean, just like washing your hands. Nasal irrigation gets rid of germs by rinsing the nasal cavity, but neti pots are hard to use and frankly, kind of gross. Now there's a better way to keep your nose clean and help your body protect itself. It's called Navage nasal care. Navage uses powered suction to flush out allergens, mucus, bacteria, and viruses. Millions use Navage for fast, all-natural relief from sinus congestion and allergies and to breathe better, sleep deeper, snore less, and feel healthier without drugs. Navage is easy to use, affordable, and comes with an absolute guarantee of satisfaction. You wash your hands and brush your teeth every day. Now it's time to start cleaning your nose with Navage. At Navage.com, CVS, Walgreens, Bed Bath, Target, and Rite Aid. Navage, N-A-V-A-G-E. Clean nose, healthy life.
0: Project Rise.
2: What in the world is going on now? Find out every weekday at 8 a.m. and 7 p.m. on the World News Roundup from CBS News Radio and on classic hits 970 and 97.1 FM WATH.
1: Hello, it's John Kozik, founder and president of TurboTrack Realty, and I buy houses as is, fast for cash. Call me today for an all-cash offer on any of your properties, and we can close within days at 614 362 362-2000. Do you own a property that's outdated and needs thousands of dollars in repairs? Great, I'll buy it. I'm a private real estate investor who can solve your real estate problems fast for cash. Do you want to sell and just be done with it? Okay, great. I buy vacant properties, boarded up houses, pre-foreclosures and inherited properties. I also buy apartment buildings, rental portfolios, divorce homes. I even buy my tenant won't pay me the rent houses. I look forward to solving your real estate problems today. Give me a call for an all cash offer at 614-362-2000, 614 614- Southeast Ohio seniors and people of all
2: ages, disabilities and income levels can turn to Buckeye Hills Regional Council for information on vaccinations, meals, essential supplies and a full range of long-term care services. You can reach Buckeye Hills Regional Council safely by phone to get answers to your questions and get connected to the community resources and services that can best meet your needs. Visit BuckeyeHills.org or call Buckeye Hills Regional Council today at 1-800- Three three one two six four four. Hey, it's Boots. Our question this week: Can you only race on a track? The answer may surprise you. Listen and find out. That's Autosmarts Friday afternoon at one oh six on nine seventy WATH and ninety seven point one FM.
3: Weenie Wednesday. Corn dogs and regular hot dogs,
2: 99 cents each. Open 10.30 a.m. until 9 p.m. Head on over to Larry's Doghouse at 410 West
1: Union Street in Athens. In our 71st year of service to Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H.
3: Another beautiful day in southeast Ohio, headed up to 78 degrees the high. There is mention of rain, and if you talk to the uh, grow, you know plant people, they say we need it. So let it be, let it be, right? Special edition today, a monthly update from the Athens County Commissioner's Office. Commissioner Lenny Eliasson doing the duty today. We'll talk to him in just a moment. We are the party line on 970 and 97.1 W.A.T.H. And uh, let's get all my buttons just right here. And uh, Lenny Eliasson, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, welcome. Your your voice is right there. Good. Listen, (laughs) I... You know this because I called you about an hour ago, but I had this great report all ready to go over with you of different questions and everything, and it, it it's just vanished. The magic of the uh, computers, you know what I mean? I can't find it anywhere. I saved it, I know, because I even printed it once, but I can't find the copy of it at the moment. But anyway the yeah,
4: digital world sometimes makes you crazy. It, it
3: does, it does. But uh, we, we, we managed to th- put something together here, and I appreciate your extra help with that. Listen, um, one of the things I wanted to talk about was there's, um, I think I heard the, uh, I don't know if it was the governor or somebody else saying there are 900 police departments in the state of Ohio. That just blew me away. 900 different police authorities in the state. And um, so, you know, I, I got to wonder what other states have. It's got to be also numbers larger than I would have ever guessed. And we've had so much concern recently about, oh, the George Floyd and consequently the Derek Chauvin thing and I mean, I really feel bad about all of this. Although I think, well, I, I just wanted to know what, where, where, what's the feeling of you? And I know it's hard for you to speak of your counterparts there, with not counterparts, but uh, your uh, fellow commissioners. But um, um, I'm sure every law enforcement agency has to be reviewing uh, their manners and their actions and what is warranted when and so on um, and I'm guessing that our sheriff's department is no exception
4: Oh that's true there's an ongoing process uh, you know where the sheriff's conducting reviews and training and uh, you know I know the city police do it too. Uh, the university police do it as well. You know, there's three departments right there when you think about it. You add Nelsonville in, you've got four. Uh, so right here in our county, then you add in the, the some of the villages, you'll add uh, five or six, uh, you know, individuals into that mix, too. So, you know, you could have, uh, depending on how they're operating, because right now chances is not operating, uh, we may have seven police departments right here in Athens County. Wow. Uh, so if they're all fully staffed and operating. Uh, so you can see how those numbers add up pretty quickly, and the biggest problem for uh, the smaller departments is training. Yeah, uh, you know, you, you putting time aside, time and money to, uh, for training, especially when you have part-time departments, is very difficult. But I, that's uh, something that we really need to uh, continue to invest in and uh, operate on. And you know, I think Governor Dewine uh, made some common sense statements about, you know, how you move forward with policing and how policing operations should work while providing protection. And that's something that, uh, you know, we think about uh, to make sure that, you know, our interactions, uh, you know, especially when you look in a university town, uh, so you've got a lot of younger people that, you know, alcohol can get involved and, and those situations can get out of control very quickly. So, you, you know, you have to have that thought in your mind and how you're going to respond, what you're going to do. And, and you know, we've been very lucky here where we haven't had um, any of those outrageous incidents that we've had in other places that caused loss of life. Uh, but, you know, we've had some situations where uh, you have some questions of, you know, was the force necessary? Was it a, uh, excessive or not? And that's something that is a process that has to get reviewed and, and go through and evaluated. And, you know, we continue to think, as I see these situations on TV and sitting in my lens as, you know, in, in an administrator uh, looking out, uh, seeing a department operating, thinking, you know, that person overreacted. Uh, they, they acted too quickly. You know, they fired their weapon too quickly. Um, you know, that's a judgment that I'm placing outside the situation. Right. And when you're in that situation, it's a whole different scene when you're uh, you know, adrenaline is pumping when you're responding. You know, one of the things that uh, people don't understand, and uh, it's always drilled into law enforcement, in the most difficult situation that they're going to run into. A lot of times is a domestic situation.
3: Yes. Uh,
4: so when domestic violence is involved or uh, disputes among family members, you know, the emotions are high, they're heated, they're intimate, they're close. Uh, those are very difficult for people to, from the outside to come in and, and try and. Uh, you know, talk people down and and you know get control of the situation in in a sensitive manner, uh, so that no harm is done to anyone. Uh, but you know that's that's a very difficult job that the police have, and you know I'm I'm thankful for their service every day. That uh, you know there's a few bad apples out there, and they continue to try to to weed them out. But the vast majority of the officers, uh, when you look at the professionalism and and how they conduct themselves, you know we should be proud of our police.
3: Well. You know, it's, y- you get trained at one point, and then some years may pass before you have another option to be trained, or maybe it doesn't exist at all. Uh, once you have your credentials, um, some of these smaller departments, they may not be able to afford to send their folks off to get additional um, input or training in. I, when I was in the service, I did learn. I was taught to do the knee on the on the th- um, throat bit. Um, and it was in a very extreme situation. Um, but, golly. Well, uh, one of the things a, we talked about, a training, that's one of the things the
4: governor's proposed.
3: A $20 Is counterfeit that, bill. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, you know... That's bad. He's not supposed to be passing in um, illegal or imposter counter. uh, um, What do you call money? Um, Counterfeit money. Yeah. But, Mercy, how did this get so far out of hand? Oh, well, you were going to say.
4: Yeah, the the one of the things the governor's proposing uh, that, you know, needs to be developed is. Uh, treating police a lot like other licensed professionals. Mm -hmm. You have lawyers and doctors, uh, you know, other uh, psychologists, you know, people that have advanced degrees, they have ongoing education requirements every year.
3: Right. Uh,
4: So one of the things that, you know, um, he's proposing uh, is that, you know, we develop a curriculum that each of the Um, police officers, you know, that the, you know, OPA is the Ohio Police Officers Training Academy that is responsible for the initial training that all these officers go through. Um, I'm sure they're, they're going to be the ones that are charged with trying to develop this curriculum, but, you know, an ongoing curriculum, you know, that deals with these types of situations and, and, you know, they'll have to take so many credit hours every two years or, or, or every year and, you know, make sure they, they maintain, Uh, that training so they can maintain their uh, job position. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something that, you know, you can do um, very readily, and it's something that would be a very positive step and something that we should get behind. Uh, You know, right now is uh, the state's going through its biennial budget process, and when you look at, uh, you know, what the priorities are for people, that's where the state's putting their money. Uh, so this is a time when people should be discussing, you know, what kind of requirements they want. And they should be talking to their state representative and their state senator and saying, you know, these are the things that are important to us and we want to make sure that you start thinking about this and you start funding it. Uh, you know, because when you say, when you look at uh, budgets, uh, you know, what's important is what gets funded. Yeah. And so that's, uh, everybody goes after their piece of the pie during this time with the state legislature and, You know, it starts off with the governor introducing a budget, and then the the House takes a whack at it, and now it's in the Senate. Uh, So then there'll be a conference committee and a resolution uh, when we get to the end of June uh, in a budget for beginning July 1. But this is a time where people can you know, step up and make sure that their voice is heard, uh, especially with the state reps and state senators that are going to be making those decisions.
3: Well, let's move along COVID-19 in the Athens county and its operations and just everything about that it's changed uh, everything everywhere. and um, how are some of the things going down there with your with the county's operations? How, how has it been most seriously affected um, in terms of maybe costs? Uh, I, I don't know you, you know where to go with this.
4: Yeah, we've had uh, you know a lot of costs uh, trying to uh, make workplaces safer for the public and the employees to interact, and um, but you know that's something that uh, has been dealt with and, and continues to be de- de- dealt with. And when you look at uh, common sense things that you know people need to do is if you're sick, you stay home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know you don't uh, you don't spread germs. Uh, you know wash your hands often. Those kind of things uh, help a lot. Uh, when you look at, uh, you know, normally in uh, past years, you'd see colds that just flew around offices, uh, but you didn't see that this year because people were masking or people were separated or working uh, in separate shifts. Uh, so some things were, you know, seemed to have a positive outcome. Uh, some things were negative. Uh, but when you look at the vaccines rolling in our caseload, uh, I think our caseload is now down to 123 active cases. Uh, a few months ago, we had gotten close to 100 again, and but did not dip below it. And then we had a little surge back up, uh, but now it's headed back down. Uh, we had peaked, uh, as I recall in the second stretch, about 190 cases. So uh, we're, we're back down to 123 cases on an active basis. Vaccines are progressing quite well. Um, the university and health department had a great station set up at the new uh, building that the university built for their medical center.
3: Um, So that
4: worked out really well with on West Union uh, for the students to, to, you know, we had the mass vaccination site, so to speak, for us um, being staffed and operated. The governor actually came down and toured that. Um, So that's worked out well. The health department's looking at uh, the cost of continuing to operate that large uh, scale of that based on the number of vaccines that they're doing on a daily basis, and they may be uh, evaluating that and moving that back to. Of the health department and operating back out of the health department because they don't have the large number
3: yeah.
4: uh, on a daily basis that they had in the past. And yet, and I think if we look at. And yet, um, T- the Eleni, numbers, I, I'm yeah. concerned
3: about uh, the, the, now it seems to be plateauing. The, uh, you know, the people that have said to themselves, yes, I'm going to get the vaccine. I'm not concerned about, I, I feel it's been tested enough, yada, yada, yada. Uh, it sort of has uh, starting to flatten off, and we're talking about with still forty percent perhaps of our um, population having doubts about it. Now, I've had both shots, of course. You, you and Lee, um, your wife have two. Um, Scott, you've been shot, right? Um, yep. So anyway, um, I'm worried about these people that have continuing concerns, and how do we get this to be truly under control without the uh, allowing that 40% to continue to be concerned and resist the the idea, and and eventually causing some sort of rebirth.
4: Well, one of the things that uh, early on in the discussions that uh, took place in, between us and the health department, well, you know, one of the things that was mentioned was uh, that you know this vaccination process is is relatively new. We haven't seen this mass vaccinations uh, in a number of years, where we had you know we had to get the vaccinations like this. Um, so people aren't experienced with it. The trial isn't there. So there's a lot of self-doubt and a lot of doubt about the process. And, and you know, people are very skeptical of it. And it takes time. It's, you know, when you hear the statistics, uh, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, for example, when you talk about, you know, they had um, six cases of blood clots in, in that 7 million group. Um, you know, statistically, that is not uh, anything that would be extremely concerning. But, you know, when you lose six people, that is a concern. Uh, But statistically, it's it's not something that skews it and says, uh, uh, we shouldn't be doing this. It's something that says, well, let's take a look at it, make sure everything's okay. What are the common characteristics? Is there something that we could figure out what's going wrong? Um, You know, is there something related to to the actual vaccine? So, But the discussion is that, you know, this could be an ongoing process for a number of years. And and you heard some of that talk start to come out that uh, you'll probably need an annual booster similar to a flu shot. So one of the discussions we have to have that we're not having yet is how many people don't get the flu shot each year of the eligible population. Uh Uh, And how does this uh, number of people getting this vaccination compared to the number of people in the flu shot group? Uh, that don't get the flu shot, you know, because you have people that won't get a flu shot and you have people that do, um, you so know, so there's shingles. there's kind of things that we have to go through the process of evaluating and comparing that's going to take us a few years to do, uh, and then we could draw some long-term conclusions from it. You know, but science is evolving. Yes. Uh, this is evolving. You know, people have to realize that, you know, they know more today than they knew last week or last month or six months ago, and so things will change. So you, you, you got to get away from this gotcha mentality. It says, well, you said this in February and now you're saying this. Well, it's because we've learned something, you know, and some we have more information to deal with and, and we really need to, to be a little less, um, trying to prove somebody wrong and become more evaluative in our uh, thinking about, you know, how this operates and what we need to do.
3: And I would say that expression is true of many things in life, not just this particular incident. Listen, um, you know, there's been um, talk for, what, two, three, maybe even four years about a sewer extension. Basically, we're talking about Radford Road and that wrap between, um, well, what would it be, I guess, morrison Gordon school there on... Um, 56, and back to uh, on 5032 to um, oh Blackburn Road or so. Um, yeah, the
4: subdivision's out there west of the city.
3: And uh, long last, it's underway.
4: Yes, it is.
3: And uh, I've, I've seen some equipment out there um, on each end trying to... Um, initially open up the areas where it would attach to and then pretty soon they're going to be uh, flying, aren't they? Well,
4: dirt is flying, they're digging. Um, We have um, basically the project's broken up into uh, seven phases. And phases one through four are all under contract and operating. Um, Two of the contractors on the first four phases are actually working. The other two will begin working in May, so it's actually going to become even more complex
3: Mm -hmm.
4: uh, as we go through this process of uh, road closures and where the work is being done and, and, you know, diversion around and all those things that run into the process of constructing a sewer project. It'll be a Uh, little less
3: complicated than Stimson Avenue, I'm sure. Uh, Yes, I think it
4: will be. (laughs) Uh, but. Um, It's going to take about the same amount of time, though. It's a a two-year anticipated construction period, so it's going to be quite a while. Uh, But we actually received bids and awarded uh, a contract yesterday for Phase 5. So, you know, we've got two more to go, and and we're working on getting the money for that and and, uh, getting those out. We hope to get those out uh, sometime in the next year uh, to actually get those under contract and hopefully get them done at the same time the other work is done because those are smaller sections. But the the vast majority of the project is underway, under construction, and and as we like to say, we'll be flushing within two years.
3: (laughs) Well, you know, so uh, in just plain English, even though we've heard it before, let's remind ourselves, why did they think this was a good project?
4: Well, when you look at uh, the concentration of homes in the area and the fact that, uh, you know, you have septic systems that are um, 50 years plus, uh, you know, 40, 50 years old, uh, those systems start to fail and, uh, you know, they become uh, putting sewage in the ditches. And uh, when you have uh, 1,500 individual treatment facilities, when you talk about a septic tank, that's a treatment facility that's its own independent little facility. Uh, the maintenance of that is not always done the same. So when you have a central collection system and a treatment system, uh, you have one, one area that does the treatment. So you, when you go from 1,500 to 1, uh, you know, that, that is much better for the environment. It's much better for the area. Uh, it will help people with their property values and, and sewage treatment and, and, you know, get rid of some smells you smell in the summer out there when you have bad systems. Um, so it will provide uh, both environmental and uh, – recreational opportunity for people to be outside and and not have to smell, uh, you know, things that you don't really want to smell.
3: That's, um, well, anyway, so the anticipated completion of that would be, uh, the end of next summer.
4: The end of next summer is what we're looking at. Yeah. We're looking at August and September of next year to, to start getting people connected and operating.
3: Let's, uh, let's talk about something else. Um, the, uh, the census. Um, I was uh, chair of that effort twice. I've not been involved for a few go-arounds now. Uh, I don't know if, if it happens in the same way when I was involved or not. But after the initial count had been done, We used to have a post meeting with lots of authorities there. And um, one of the stories I'll never forget was like Dean Joel Rudy, Dean of Students. Um, We would say, okay, we counted in this dormitory 284 people. And he would say, we have 286. And then the next one, we would say we have 312 here, and it says we'd have 299. In other words, there were some where we were high and some where we were low, but, um, which is always a head-scratcher. Now, it's even more complicated when you get out into individual homes and things like that, and people's desire to co- cooperate and understand the rules. Um is there has there been the post initial count meetings have those taken place yet
4: Uh I Chris has been involved with that on a daily basis for us um I think that that actually has taken place but I'm not sure um I'd have to check with Chris to verify I do know that Like uh, Chris that there you mean Chris Schmiel, be a period right? of uh Of adjustment and appeal uh, for the numbers once they get broken down to the local levels Uh, and that has not happened yet Uh, so that that process is still uh, getting ready to happen you know right now they're looking at um, when you look at the census they're looking at the large numbers Uh, so when you look at the state sizes and, and what happens with congressional representation and state representation and what the districts look like for people uh, and who, who they're going to be represented and how they're going to represent it. And, you know, when you look at the initial numbers that have come out, you know, Ohio is one of those states that has not grown as much as the other states, so we're going to lose a congressional seat again. Uh, so, you know, there has been some speculation that uh, the seat that Stivers has is going to go away and be uh, merged into a couple different uh, districts as they break it down with uh, you know, who's going to be put where Uh, There's been some discussion about, you know, there's two reps in in Hamilton County, Uh, you know, the one of those might go away. So uh, I think there's a a lot of discussion taking place in Columbus right now about, uh, you know, what the districts are going to look like. I know that uh, there's uh, Matt Hoffman has decided and wanted to put uh, a constitutional amendment on the August ballot about redistricting. And I don't know if that's going to get there or not there. There are deadlines coming up in, in early May for that, so there's a lot of discussion about that as well uh, to change some of the requirements,
3: again, is for it, the redistricting um, rules. Is there a, cur- a concern in general that uh, Athens County population is less than it had been or, um, or, or the state's population is less than it had been? Now, that... What I'm trying to say is you can have another place that grows more, but are we less than we were?
4: Yeah, we' the state's not less. it just hasn't grown as much. Okay. Um, Athens County maybe we'll have to wait and see. You know one of the things that uh, we we've got to see what the where the count gets to um, is Nelsonville, whether Nelsonville will still be a city or not. Uh, after the last census, they only had uh, state a city by about 400 people.
3: Uh, so, and with uh, the, the, the fact the...
4: that the Hocking County population, or the Hocking College population is so much less
3: yeah.
4: uh, than it was during that last census, uh, there's some concern that Nelsonville might not achieve city status.
3: Which is 5,000, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, I just had Betty on the air yesterday. Um, the Betty Young that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I forgot to ask that question, so I wish I had. Um, well, anyway, this um, census thing is always interesting, and it's also something that we generally have to live with for a ten-year period, with some minor adjustments.
4: Um, yeah, they they've made some changes on how they do the interim period now. Uh, It used to be that a lot of the federal programs uh, were fixed based on the census, Uh, but now they have switched to using, uh, and the title escapes me exactly, but it's like the American Communities, uh, some kind of database that they update every year. And so what they do is apply some growth trends and, and numbers from that database to the census numbers. So the numbers aren't going to be static from a um, growth standpoint. They won't reduce them um, below that. You know, if the the projections are there, they won't reduce them. But if their projections are increasing, they'll use those Mm -hmm. uh, to reallocate federal monies for the increases. Uh, But, you know, until the next census comes around. So it's become a more complicated process in how the feds allocate money over that time. But, you know, that's something that's ongoing as a result of the census is the programs that, you know, the distribution of monies that come based on the census.
3: Let's uh, go to a different issue, a broadband. Um, with the last year of school, COVID, uh, Zoom, uh, all this stuff, online learning has been a new uh, phenomenon. It was there before, but it just became extremely important that everyone have more access um, to prevent uh, in-person contact in the spread of the COVID, right? Now, um, I I remember talking to uh, Tom Gibbs and some other superintendents, and they said how they had worked hard to get Broadband expanded out to different areas in the school district where it was either weak or didn't exist. Um, and in some cases, they, you know, the student might have to drive or parents drive to um, a hot spot, um, like maybe in the middle of Amesville. And, um, and they'd sit in the car and take the class. The point is... Our, our county's broadband, um, there is an effort to to make that even better, right?
4: It's an ongoing effort to try and, and get it better. Um, you know, the difficulty for the county is that uh, we cannot drive the delivery of services. That's all done by the private sector because mm-hmm. uh, that's the way the state has it set up. Um, so the private sector, we have to keep pushing and pushing with them to try and, you know, increase their services and get it better. Uh, one of the things we can do and have been working on, um, you know, is, is making sure that the FCC is getting accurate data uh, because one of the ways that uh, the reporting that's done by the carriers um, is census block data. And you, when you understand how big a census block is, you um, one person with broadband service in a census block counts the entire census block as being served. And we know that's not the case. Uh, so we know that the, that mapping strategy that the FCC has used in the past is poor. And uh, the National Association of Counties has been working hard the last couple of years trying to get uh, more crowdsourcing data. And we actually developed an app called Test It. It's T-E-S-T-I-T. And it works on your mobile phone or on your computer and you can test your speeds. And I test my speeds uh, typically uh, at least once a week, just to, just to see. And, you know, the other day at home, um, my speed was well below the FCC standard of 25 and three, you know, 25 down, three up. Um, So when you look at, uh, you know, here, even in the city of Athens, we don't have, uh, on an ongoing basis, we're faced with throttling from the carriers and things like that. so our speeds aren't as good as they should be at all the times. Um, I have a nephew who teaches in in Florida, and he uh, came home you know over the holidays to to visit his family and was complaining about the internet speed, mm. you know how slow it was, and and I checked it when I was up there last week uh, for my father's birthday. And uh, sure enough, the Internet speed right there in Cleveland and and in Westlake and, you know, one of the more affluent suburbs was very slow. Hmm. You know, so it's an ongoing problem and it's going to be something we're going to deal with for a number of years. But it's critical uh, for people to have good broadband, you know, and and I think people need to uh, continue to push the legislature to, uh, you know, make sure that we're getting rid of the barriers Uh, to providing those services. We're putting money towards doing that. You hear a lot of money right now coming out of the federal government, you know, towards broadband. Uh, And they've been doing it for a number of years. But, you know, things aren't getting built out properly and they need to get built out and they need to get serviced to the last mile. Uh, The Buckeye Hills Regional Council did a study here of southeastern Ohio in that service area, that eight-county service area. uh, You're talking about $8 billion dollars to build out fiber to the home for all the homes in that service area. Well, if you take those eight counties mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and extrapolate that out to 3,000 counties in, in the United States, mm-hmm. you're talking a lot of money. you know, And that's I'm, not something I, that I, I uh, we say, have, but we I, can work in in phases.
3: I would say fiber is kind of like the Cadillac. You know, and a, a Chevy would work just great. Um, there is places where we have um, um, 1972. Yeah, there's places
4: where they're driving an Edsel.
3: Yes, I was going to say a Beetle, but anyway. Um, <clears throat> I just ran a test. Here at the station, we have three access points. There's two up front and one in back. And I just did a test here, and I'm 23 down and 10 up. So my... Now you're in good shape. My 23 is just under... Uh, what they want in terms of download speed my 10 is mm-hmm. just over what well no it's more than just over on the upload um, back in my office it works great uh, at my home it works great um, we we really just need to I think continue to put a little bit of heat on our providers to make sure their systems are, at optimum performance and well that's just my opinion
4: that's let's, let's move no, on I agree We need to keep working at that because it's going to be a long time before we get that done but we need to keep at it
3: um, one of the points you shot me here this morning was um, and I'm not sure I know what this is exactly so I'll let you explain it congressional testimony on Economic Development Administration.
4: Yeah, this uh, afternoon uh, I'm going to be testifying in front of Congress um, on the Economic Development Administration and uh, the reauthorization of that. Uh, it's a title that they're hearing is called "Investing in America." The reauthorization of the Economic Development Administration. So I'll be testifying in front of the Transportation Infrastructure Committee of Congress. Um, this is the third time I've testified in front of a congressional committee on various issues over the years uh, but this one has to do with economic development, public buildings and emergency management. That's the subcommittee I'll be testifying uh, to and talking about the role the economic Development administration has played in uh, you know monies they do in rural communities and things they've done uh, here in Athens County, especially uh, for. Uh, their past consideration and hopefully that Congress will reauthorize the money to keep that coming along. You know, one of the examples um, I'm going to be using in my testimony is the fact that uh, there was a $2.2 million EDA investment here in, in uh, the Ohio University School of Leadership and Public Affairs uh, that's been used to accelerate our transition from a coal economy uh, to this new initiative called RISE, which is resiliency initiative for southeastern eastern Ohio, which is helping uh, move communities away that would been dependent on coal and fossil fuels to a newer economy, uh, trying to look at, you know, what's going to happen with communications, job creation, economic growth, diversification. Of course, broadband is, is a big part of that. Uh, the entrepreneurial economy that takes place here, the recreational economy, Uh, all the things that are happening and and how we can use that uh, to continue to uh, bring the parts of Appalachia that is lag behind uh, the other parts of the country, you know, help them catch up. Mm
3: -hmm. Well, I hope your uh, experience with uh, testifying before a congressional committee is better than mine.
4: I... Well, this is going to be different because it's going to be done virtually.
3: Oh, okay. Well, that <laughs> you is... Know, I, I've been in
4: Washington in, in person, but this is going to be a real unique experience because we're doing it virtually. Uh, it's a Zoom-linked meeting, and uh, I had to do a run-through yesterday with uh, their staffers to make sure I, I did everything according to their protocol. Sure, so sure. it's going to be kind of a unique experience. But, uh, you know, it's something that we do continue to do to try and make sure that we bring our share of monies back to Southeast Ohio.
3: Just just to um, point out what the topic was I had to discuss, and that was whether we had gotten all the POWs out of Vietnam. And that was an area that I was somewhat responsible for So, mm-hmm. after the war was over. So it was a very touchy, touchy thing. All yeah, right. that would be a very difficult subject. Let's see here. Um, You said another thing that you brought out that I'm not sure I was completely familiar with says a proposed bill in the Ohio House on use of sales tax in additional amount. What's that one about?
4: Yeah, this is a new uh, proposal that's come up that allows – Counties to addition, uh, levy an additional sales tax beyond their current one and a half percent authority that they have. Um, right now, we're only allowed to level a sales tax up to one and a half percent for local use, and you know there's certain purposes that that's evolved for. Uh, there is an additional authority to have up to a half percent for regional transit on a local level, and now they've decided to. Um, Bring this proposal forward to allow counties uh, to levy a sales tax of up to another half percent for the funding of the operation of jails. Uh, one of the things that the state has done over the years uh, has provided capital money for jails. They're doing that again in the budget um, to provide uh, capital monies um, for uh, local jails. that You know, we're required to house misdemeanants. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, felons end up in the state prison except for fourth and fifth degree felons, one, twos, and threes end up in the state prison system. We house the fourth and fifth degrees and the misdemeanors in county jails. Uh, But one of the things that we've, we argued with uh, our legislature with for years is you give us capital money, but you don't give us operating money. And you expect us to keep operating these jails, um, you know, with the, the revenues we have and it's just not feasible. So, Uh, This was a proposal that surfaced and, and, you know, being talked about and and getting ready to have some hearings uh, about that authority. Uh, It's something that I think would be helpful for a lot of counties. I don't see us uh, needing that here in Athens County. Um, We've been very lucky with the regional jail as far as the operations of it and uh, made some changes in the operation over the past uh, half a dozen years. Uh, to try and save as much money as possible. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I always caution people on is uh, if you build a bigger jail, you will fill it. and You may not have uh, money to operate it. uh, But is that really where the best place to be spending the money uh, you should be spending? Uh, You know, we really should be investing in early childhood education, schools, jobs, broadband, the things that get people uh, into productive lives. Uh, So... But that's something that I think is important for people to, again, uh, this is the time to pay attention to what's going on at the state level if you're not, um, because these are the decisions that are being made that are going to be impactful uh, for the next few years in your lives.
3: Let so me I wanted to
4: bring that up for people to be aware of it.
3: Let me ask a really dumb question. It's dumb on my part that I don't know the answer already. So um, with people being restricted in COVID and all of that and being encouraged to stay at home and not go out shopping and stuff like that, uh, I, I I feel certain there's been a huge increase in online shopping. Now, if you buy something from, oh, let's just say Google or some place that's um elsewhere, um, the sales tax that is normally generated if you bought it locally, um, I guess some companies pay it and some don't. What, what do you know about that? Yeah.
4: Well, the uh, that's something that we've been working on for a number of years is to make sure that uh, the sales tax gets back uh, to the place it's supposed to get back to. Uh, one of the places that when you um, Amazon has been the, the biggest one that people talk about.
3: Yeah, I say Google. And I meant Amazon. Go ahead.
4: Amazon. Uh, Amazon remits sales tax back to uh, the state and it gets back down to the local level where it should um, based on you know bills that have been passed in Congress for products they sell, but not for products that the third parties sell. So if you have a third-party seller that's selling on Amazon, uh, they're the ones who become responsible for that. So Amazon's kind of a mixed bag as far as whether they remit the sales tax or not. But the law had said that unless you have a nexus in the state, a nexus meaning a physical location in the state, you're not required to remit the sales tax. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's been an ongoing effort by counties over a number of years uh, to get the the law written so that um, – Sales tax would be re- remitted properly. Uh, the, the thing is, is that you as the individual are the one is responsible for paying the sales tax, not the vendor. So that's where it gets a little tricky uh, because that's you're, you're trying to make a vendor accountable and that's how the court had decided unless they had a nexus, they weren't accountable. Uh, but some people like uh, vacation rental by owners and um, Airbnb, you know, there's, there's a, 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 tax that, you know, it should be remitted back. So, uh, one of the problems we have is, you know, how do we know it's actually being accurately, um, remitted, uh, you know, when, when you talk about the collection, cause we don't have any local ability to go in and look at their books. So that's another problem that you look at that. So there's, there's a lot of issues that have to get related to tax, uh, when collections and, uh, distribution, but I think the progress we've made over the past few years, have really helped. Uh, One of the things that we were afraid of early on in the pandemic was that we would have a big hit in our sales tax and we have not, Uh, you know, our sales tax has held uh, pretty steady, Uh, not as big a growth as we've seen in other years, but it's, it hasn't been the decline that we originally forecasted. So we've been fairly lucky uh, when it comes to, you know, how our sales tax is collected and, and what's been happening. So uh, sales tax is a a very complicated issue, but the the bottom line is on your sales tax return, when you file your state of Ohio return uh, in a line, there is there's a uh, purchases you made out of state or online uh, and make sure you paid your sales tax because as an individual sales tax um, resident, you you're responsible for the sales tax. Uh, It's called sales and use tax. We always shorten it to sales tax. Uh, but the way the law officially reads is that it's uh, if you buy products and you don't pay the sales tax you are required to pay the sales tax of the state so uh, people should be aware of that and, and should be um, following up when they file their taxes
3: There's a project that's received a good bit of publicity lately although I have not been following it very closely but I'm excited to see it come about and it's called Bailey's Trail. Um, uh, obviously a big change in topic here. Um, put it in perspective from your point of view. What is it? Well, the Bailey's,
4: yeah, the Bailey's trail is, uh, um, 80 miles of mountain bike trails, uh, that are at various levels of difficulty from beginners, uh, all the way to expert, uh, when it's all built out will be the largest trail, um, East of the Mississippi River, wow. Um, so the idea behind it is that um, it's a cooperative venture um, with the Wayne National Forest and Orca. And Orca is the Outdoor Recreation Council of Appalachia, which was formed by the city, the county, um, New York Township. Uh, We've added the village of Bookville to it, so it's a it's a governmental. COG, so to speak, a council of governments, um, to promote outdoor recreation in southeast Ohio, because we think that the recreation economy has the potential for a lot of growth for us. When you look at what's happened up in Hawking County and the Hawking Hills and all the tourism, uh, what we want to do is be able to take uh, advantage of our natural beauty and, and continue to promote, you know, outdoor sports, bicycling. Uh, you know, our number one attraction is the bike pass itself. Which is a paved path. You know, it's now 29 miles. I think we finished when we finished the last extension of it. Uh, We're up to 29 miles of bike path. Uh, But you know, there's other mountain biking is a huge sport among the uh, next generation, and you know, they are really interested in that. So you can have hiking, you can have mountain biking, um, and then we're looking at climbing. You know, there's a lot of people that are interested in climbing and just outdoor recreation in general. Um, So, Orca is working quite hard. Uh, We've been able to uh, secure two million dollars from the state in the budget so far from the House version of the budget. We're working to try and continue uh, to keep that in there in the Senate uh, to help build the trails. Uh, The original proposal was to do it with uh, you know local tax monies, but as we've been educating the state that you know when it comes to the recreational tourism dollar that's coming into the county. They get five times as much of that dollar that we do, so uh, they should be part of this investment in the building. Uh, So we're hopeful that we will be able to keep that in there, and as the budget goes through and gets signed into law, we'll have the ability to build some more trails. Uh, We've gotten, I think we're up to 12 miles of trails built or under construction, and so you know we're basically uh, got a ways to go yet, but uh, we're making progress on it.
3: When it's all said and done, it would be how long?
4: 82
3: miles. Wow. Cool. And any estimate on when it might be able to be said it is done?
4: Well, if we keep the $2 million around, uh, I would say we could have it done in three years.
3: Okay. So you started out the show with the fact that... uh, You know, with the population shifts and stuff like that, uh, we're going to have some redistricting. Um, Congressmen, state reps, so on and so forth. Um, That's not necessarily a bad thing, is it? No. Um,
4: You know, I think when you look at redistricting, uh, when you make sure you're aligned with areas that have similar interests. I think right now from a congressional perspective, uh, our district is a little out of kilter because we're in the same district as Upper Arlington. Uh, So when you look at, you know, what happens in Upper Arlington versus what happens in Southeast Ohio, um, you know, we would fit better with uh, the sixth congressional district where it used to be, as opposed to being in the 15th where we are now. Remember Athens is split between two congressional districts. Coolville is actually still in the old 6th Congressional District. Uh, so Troy Township is in the 6th, and everything else is in the 15th. Uh, you know, we're split between two Senate districts, and we're split between two House districts. Um, so to eliminate those splits would be very helpful, and I'm hopeful that in this next redistricting process we get get rid of those splits where the the, the counties actually split. Uh, because when I try to reach out, um, and use the congressional email to, to talk about uh, issues that, you know, I, I want to make sure that our Congress is aware of. Uh, I cannot reach Congressman Johnson because uh, I'm not in his district, mm-hmm. but I represent the people that are in his district being county commissioner because they're in Athens County. Uh, so I have to go through his staff, and but I can't use the congressional email system um That's set up for everybody to access uh, because I'm not and I don't live in that district. Uh, So that's one of the problems where you have split districts with counties. Uh, People can't always uh, access their congressperson uh, through the email system uh, and influence. You know, it changes how much you influence a congressional member uh, when your county split up.
3: Very short on time now. Um, didn't mean to interrupt, though, but um, anyway, I guess I have to. Um, just asking you privately. Um, nobody's listening. Um, would you like to run for another office other than what you're currently running at? No. Okay. We're out of time.
4: I've had that opportunity plenty in of time. In our 71st year <laughs> of
1: service <laughs> to southeast okay, Ohio. Okay, thank you, Lenny. 970 and 97.1 FM.
2: I'm Deborah Rodriguez.
0: In 11 hours from now. Good
2: evening, my fellow Americans.
0: President Biden will mark his first 100 days in office with a maiden speech to a joint session of Congress.
2: In addition to pitching his American jobs plan, the president will lay out a vision of what White House aides have called human infrastructure.
0: This is a really bold proposal, the American Families Plan.
2: Press Secretary Jen Psaki says the $1.8 trillion package would fund universal preschool two years of community college, paid family leave, child care subsidies, and permanent child tax credits.
0: These are things the American people need, they want, they deserve.
2: The president would pay for the programs by raising taxes on the wealthiest, something polls show the public also wants.
1: Stephen Portnoy, CBS News.
0: New study from the U.K. finds quick benefits after just one of two-dose Pfizer and Moderna COVID vaccines. Dr. Peter Openshaw says it reduces the risk of household transmission by as much as half.
2: It shows that the immune system is doing something a lot more than me we're expecting of it.
0: The CDC is predicting a likely decrease in new cases in the U.S. over the next four weeks. But in India... Yeah. Workers are busy laying bricks to expand roadside crematoriums to handle all the bodies piling up from the skyrocketing number of new COVID deaths there. ambulances.